Welcome to Torah Today Ministries and our continuing series, Parsha Seasonings, where we look at the details in the Hebrew of the weekly Torah portion, as well as some of the anomalies found only in the Torah scroll. And in this episode, we are in Torah portion Shemini, which is in Leviticus chapters 9, 10, and 11. Now, Shemini is the only Torah portion that is named after a number, or whose name is a number. Shemini means eighth. And uh, this Torah portion is usually read on the Shabbat before Passover or the Shabbat right after Passover. Uh, when I read this and we're doing the study now, it's uh, right before Passover. And Shemini is connected linguistically with the Hebrew word Shemin, fat, Shemina, sometimes it's pronounced. And um, the number eight always has to do with fullness and completion, new beginning, new starts, resurrection. Um, and when you think of how eights are found in Scripture, they always have to do with new beginnings and a promise of a new life. This may be why a Hebrew boy was circumcised on the eighth day of life. And eight has a number of connections with Aaron, the high priest. In fact, our Torah portion gets its name because it says, and on the Shemini, on the eighth day, and it goes on to talk about how uh, Aaron and his sons began their priestly ministry. Their inauguration period was over, and it's time to roll up their sleeves and get to work. Um, Aaron, as high priest, wore eight garments, whereas his sons wore only four. Uh, in addition to the normal four white linen garments, Aaron had an additional four what are called the golden garments. And even Aaron's name, I probably just should have put this in the notes, but I'll write it out. Aaron's name, Haron in Hebrew, Aleph, He, Resh, Nun, has numerical value of 256. 256 equals 32 times 8, or 2 to the 8th power. And, um, and you're going to find a lot of 8s involved with Aaron's life and ministry. And um, we often talk about how the resurrection of Messiah took place on the first day of the week, which is true. But after the seven days of that week of his testing, his crucifixion, burial, resurrection, you could almost say his resurrection took place on the eighth day. So uh, look for eights as you study the scripture. They're always a number for new life and new beginnings. And uh, one of the hints, one of the things you can look at is count how many people were on Noah's Ark. Well, let's continue. Let's start with Leviticus chapter 9 and verse 4. And again, we're going to look at um, uh, something interesting. Uh, Aaron, Aharon, is, um, it, the, the letters can be changed to be Haaron, which means the ark. And uh, the, the ark of the covenant is something that is connected with Aaron the high priest because only Aaron could go into the Holy of Holies once a year on Yom Kippur to actually see Ha'aron. So Aharon got to see the Ha'aron once a year on Yom Kippur. But I'm getting ahead of myself. 
In Leviticus 9.4 it says, And an ox and a ram for peace offerings to sacrifice before Adonai, and a grain offering mixed with oil. For today Adonai will appear to you. Now that phrase will appear is nirah, and there you can see it in Hebrew. And if we spell that word backwards, it becomes ha-aron, which means the ark. And again, these are the letters of Aaron's name, but rearranged. So, nirah will appear, spelled backwards as ha-aron, the ark. Wherever the ark went, it was representing the presence of God. It's like God's presence went with the ark. And everything about the ark is a picture of our high priest, Yeshua. And um, there's so many things I would like to share with you about the ark, but I'm going to hold off on those until we begin the series on the tabernacle. Uh, so stay tuned. That'll be coming up hopefully in the very near future. So um, again, we see a connection between Aaron's name, Aharon, the ark, Ha'aron, and Nirah to appear. Now in verse 6 of the same chapter, it says, And Moses said, This is the thing that Adonai commanded you to do, that the glory of Adonai may appear to you. The glory of Adonai is kavod Adonai, kavod Adonai. And as I was looking into this phrase, I found some interesting patterns with it. The phrase is found 10 times in the Torah. It's found a pair of times first in Exodus 16, verses 7 and 10. And both of these verses in the same chapter have to do with the giving of manna. The next time it appears, it again appears in a pair of verses, Exodus 24, verses 16 and 17. And this has to do with the giving of the Torah. The next time it appears, again, in a pair of verses dealing with the same thing, Leviticus 9, verses 6 and 23 and 9, 6, you can see on the screen now. This has to do with the giving of the priest. So the first pair, the giving of manna, the second pair, the giving of the Torah, the third pair with the giving of the priest. There's something going on here. I invite you to think about this with me and, and drop some comments uh, for your insights. But I keep thinking that the priest, one of their purposes was to teach and to illumine the Torah. We find this information in the book of Malachi. And what is the Torah? It is our heavenly food. Now, you may be wondering, how about those other four instances of Kavod Adonai in the Torah? All four of those are found in the book of Numbers. And I have the references in the notes at the end uh, uh, of the, the notes here, if you print them out. And all four of those instances are not quite as pleasant as these first six. The final four have to do with God's judgment. When he came and had to kind of chew out the people, it would say, and the glory of Adonai appeared, and, and, uh, and people started thinking, uh-oh, uh, what's going to happen? Uh, one occasion, of course, is with the sin of Korah, and God's glory appeared, and, and he dealt with that situation. So we find these first six having to do with the giving of something, but the, the other four appearances of, 
the glory of Adonai and the Torah have to do with judgment. So something interesting to look at. It's a very definite pattern here. Now, in chapter 10, verse 1, it says, Nadav and Avihu, these are two Aaron's, Aaron's two oldest sons, uh, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire. It's Eshazara in Hebrew. Unauthorized or alien fire before Adonai, which he had not commanded them. Now, that phrase, which he had not commanded them, is asher lo tzivautam, which not, no, lo is a, uh, negates whatever the statement is, ziva, uh, to command, that's where we get the word mitzvah, otam, them. Asher lo otam, which he had not commanded them. So it sounds like they were killed simply because they lacked information. Uh, they brought something that God had not commanded them to bring, but does that mean anything we do that God has not specifically commanded us to do? We've crossed the line. Well, when we look at this linguistically, what we can read this word low as is the word not or no. Asher, no, he commanded them. And we find it translated this way over in Deuteronomy 17. And I'm going to give you verse 2 as a run-up to verse 3 where the, the phrase is found. It says, If there is found among you within any of your towns that Adonai your God has given you, a man or woman who does what is evil in the sight of Adonai your God, in transgressing his covenant, and has gone and served other gods and worshipped them, or the sun, or the moon, or any of the host of heavens, which I have forbidden. Now, this is how the ESV translates this phrase, but listen to how similar it is. Asher lo zeviti, which I have not commanded. But the ESV goes a bit further and says, which I have forbidden. And I think the ESV is right on the money. So if we take this translation, in other words, God says, no, I command you, no, do not do this, and apply it back here, you, we could say that unauthorized fire, alien fire, is something God had forbidden. What does it mean, alien fire? Well, the fire that was to be brought in to be burned on the incense table, any fire that was to come into the holy place to light the menorah, to burn incense, had to come from the outer altar. But apparently, since Nadav and Avihu just brought their fire pans from home, uh, they brought fire from home and not from a holy source, which is the fire on the altar. You know, if you're lighting a fire, does it make much difference where the fire comes from, whether it's a lighter or a match or whatever the source might be, rubbing two sticks together? Well, in the world, no. But we're talking about something very spiritual here because the fire on the outer, or, outer altar had a very holy source. And we read about that here in Leviticus 10.2, it says, And fire came out from before Adonai and consumed them, meaning Nadav and Avihu, and they died before Adonai. 
But that phrase, and fire came out from before Adonai and consumed, is found two times only in the entire Bible. Only two times. One here, and one in the previous chapter, in Leviticus 9.24, where it says, And fire came out from before Adonai and consumed the burnt offering and the pieces of fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. So here, from this previous verse, we learn that the source of the fire on the bronze altar came directly from God. The way I picture it in my mind is that fire came out from the Holy of Holies, went through the curtain without burning it, went through the holy place and through the outer curtain without burning it, directly over the laver, directly to the altar, and consumed the wood and the sacrifices that had been placed there. So this fire had come from the Holy of Holies, from God's Shekinah glory, from his very presence. And so God had commanded that alien fire, fire that is not from the source, should not be brought in to the holy place or to the Holy of Holies. Um, we're not going to do an entire study on Nadav and Avihu and their error, but there, was, there were several things going on here where they, they failed. And I um, would recommend you go back and listen to one of the teachings I've done on this passage, and you'll find those at the BethTikkun.com website. But uh, there are many good commentaries, many good teachings on the sins of Nadav and Avihu. And they're very instructive for us. And I suggest you look into this more deeply. Now, in chapter 10, verse 16, it says, Now Moses diligently inquired about the goat of the sin offering. Now, this phrase, diligently inquired, in Hebrew is darosh darash. Now, you'll notice both words are spelled exactly the same. They have different pronunciations, but the words are the same. Each one is spelled Dalit Resh Sheen, but we say Darosh Darash, or searching he searched. Uh, this is a way that Hebrew uh, emphasizes something. Uh, searching he searched, uh, dying he died, what uh, <laughs> you could put in any verbs you want, growing he grew, building he built, but it's a way of emphasizing that something is certainly being done. Now, what's interesting about these two words in this verse is that these two words are the two middle words of the Torah. There are an even number of words in the Torah. And when you come to this verse, everything to the right of this line is in the first half of the Torah and everything to the left is in the second half of the Torah. So I find it fascinating that in the middle of the Torah, we find two words, darosh, Darash, he diligently searched. That is what we are to be doing into the heart of the Torah. And that's part of my desire and for, for doing this, this series called Parsha Seasonings. Because I find that searching into the deep things of the Torah yields just vast riches and vast spiritual wealth. And um, I just find God hiding in the details. And whenever I discover something, I think of uh, David's words in Psalm 119, where it says, Unveil my eyes that I may behold wonders from your Torah. But this 
chapter, I'm sorry, this portion also contains the middle letter of the Torah. Now, the middle letter is found in Leviticus 11.42. And it's concerning the kosher laws. It says, whatever goes on its belly and whatever goes on all fours, etc., etc. And that word belly is the word gachon, gachon, right there. And the letter Vav in Gachon is written oversize in the Torah scroll and in many of the printed Torahs as well. If you find this word, you'll see in this word, in this verse only, the Vav is written oversize. Why? That's the middle letter of the Torah. And it's found in the word belly because it's in the belly of the Torah. Now, what's interesting about the word or the letter Vav Let's look at that for a moment. The name of this letter means hook. In fact, there is no Hebrew word for and. Uh, the way you simulate and is by adding the letter vav to the next word. So if I say a chair and a table, it'd be a chair, va shulchan, and a shulchan, a table. So the vav hooks the table to the chair. So it's a chair and a table. It hooks two things together. It substitutes for the word and. But the word vav itself means hook. And I believe we discussed this in a previous teaching because the vavs, the vavim, were the hooks that the curtains of the tabernacle were hung on. Now the word vav, the name of this letter, is spelled vav, aleph, vav. Vav, aleph, vav. And the numerical value of this word is 6 plus 1 plus 6. The Aleph, being the first letter of the alphabet, has a value of 1. Vav, of course, is the sixth letter. So 6 plus 1 plus 6 equals 13, but 13 is the numerical value of Ichad, which means 1. So what does Vav do? It hooks two things together to make them Ichad, makes them 1. 13 also, and many of you know this, is the numerical value of the word ahava, which means love. And love also makes two, one, makes them ichad. Well, I want to finish with this. Leviticus 11.47 says, To make a distinction between the unclean and the clean, and between the living creature that may be eaten and the living creature that may not be eaten. In other words, to summarize the kosher laws of Leviticus uh, 11, um, these laws are given us to so we can make a distinction between what we are permitted to put in these temples of our bodies and what is forbidden to be put in, put, put in, <laughs> to be put in the temples of our bodies. <clears throat> and this verse, if I were to... Uh, printed out in Hebrew and do all the calculations and adding up of the letters, has a numerical value of 2,166. And there's one other verse in the Torah, only one other, that has this same numerical value. And that verse is Numbers 8.14, that you shall separate the Levites from among the people of Israel, and the Levites shall be mine. What I find interesting <clears throat> excuse me, is that uh, I have an unkosher frog in my throat. But the, uh, the passage in 1147 talks about making a distinction and separating between what's clean and what's unclean. 
And the other verse with the same numerical value has to do with making a distinction and separating the Levites from among the people. So one of these has to do with food or meat that we can put in our body or not put in our body. The other has to do with people who are separated for a particular position and authority from the people who are not in that position. Now the rabbis comment on these two verses. And one of the lessons they bring out, and I think it is profound and something that can speak to us as well, is this. If we want to be particular about the details of what we allow in our lives and not allow in our lives, let's also be particular about what we have authority over and what we do not have authority over. Let's be particular about the people who have authority in our lives and honor that distinction as well. So chapter 11 has to do with clean versus unclean meats. But Numbers 8 has to do with people who are set apart for authority from those who are not in that position of authority. And I know people who will strain out the gnat, but they swallow a camel. Because they'll strain out the details of what they allow in their lives, and yet I see them overstepping their authority, dishonoring authority, and in that way, swallowing a camel. A gnat, of course, is an unkosher animal, but it's only that big. And it seems like every person I've ever met who is a gnat strainer also happens to be a camel swallower. I don't want either one of those in my body. But not only must I pay attention to the small details of my life, I need to pay attention to big picture things, which means I need to look up recognize the authorities God has set over me, recognize the things God has put me in authority over, and work within the chain of command, within the authorities that he has established. So I hope that this is a lesson that you will apply to your own life as well, and let's pray for each other that we are successful in both of the messages of Leviticus 11.47 and Numbers 8.14. So with that, I wish you shalom, and I'll see you next time. God bless. Thank you for joining us for today's teaching. If the work of Torah Today Ministries has touched your life, please consider making a donation or sponsoring an upcoming video. As a video sponsor, you'll have an exclusive opportunity to memorialize a family member, celebrate a special event, or simply support the ongoing creation of similar content. Your tax-deductible contribution helps ensure that our teachings continue to reach all who are longing for truth. Click the link or visit our website to learn more. That's all I have to say.